Well, I'd like to begin uh, by saying uh, this morning, uh, this is kind of the big thought for today, and it's this, I hate to wait. Does anyone else hate to wait? Uh, Here, raise your hand, okay? And put your hand down. Those who didn't raise their hand, what do we call them? Liars. Liars, that's right. Because we all hate to wait. Some of you might just be getting adjusted here, I'm not sure. But we all uh, really hate to wait. And uh, I, in particular, am not a very uh, patient person and uh, struggle uh, with that myself. Now, part of my struggle deals with the fact that when uh, I call to order a pizza, um, I'll call and order a pizza, and typically the first thing out of the person's mouth on the other end is this. Could you please hold? Now, I've always wanted to have the courage to go, no, I can't. But I don't. Like, we're programmed to say, yes, I'll hold. And then we hold. And you know why we hold? Because we know they're going to make us hold anyways. And if we're rude to them, they're going to spit in our pizza. (laughs) Right? So we just wait, you know, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is, and it drives us crazy. Have you ever been to church before and there's a sermon or there's a teaching going on and it just goes on and on and on and you're like, is this thing ever going to end? Have you ever experienced that before? Well, just wait because you're probably going to experience it here in a second, okay? Uh, One of the reasons why we don't like waiting, why I don't like waiting is because when I wait, I lose control. I don't have as much control and the things that I think are so important and should be accomplished aren't happening and so I struggle to wait. Think about uh, going to a doctor's office. They actually have a special room in the doctor's office just for what we're talking about today and it's called what? Yeah, you know that room, right? The waiting room. Now this is what I uh, have a hard time understanding. The doctor is never in that room. Like, you wait in that room, he never comes. I mean, I've never gone to the receptionist before, and the receptionist said, oh, we know you're busy, you have a lot going on in your life. Actually, the doctor's not in his office. Why don't you go back there, work on anything, and he'll wait in the waiting room, and when you're ready for him, then he'll come see you, okay? I mean, I'm married to a doctor, okay? And I don't get any preferential treatment, I just have to wait, And we hate to wait. Have you ever gone to Kings Island or to Disney World or Cedar Point? I mean, that whole experience is set up for you not to have the happiest moment of your life, but it's so you can wait, okay? Uh, Recently, uh, I found this picture. This was at the Frozen line. So if you want to see Elsa and Anna, if you were waiting there, you would have to wait 300 minutes. That's five hours, folks. You're never going to get back again. Right there, and you have to wait. And it drives us crazy to have to wait that long. Now, for others of us, we're like, you know, though, this concept of having a sign in real life would actually be helpful of how long we would have to wait for things. So, in real life, it might be actually good to have a sign similar to this. Wait time, six months until you find a spouse. Or next, 
wait time, four years until your kids grow up, okay? So if they're not grown up yet, just wait, you know? Four years, it's coming. Or the next one, wait time, ten years until your spouse grows up. Okay, I'm still waiting on Jen to grow up, you know? It's been 24 years. She's not here today, so I can say that, all right? Actually, it's the other way around. But the truth is this, folks. This is the truth. We long for now, but we live in a world of not yet. We long for now, for something to happen now, but the reality is we live in a world of not yet. The truth is there is a lot more serious and difficult things, though, that are going on in your life and in my life more than just waiting for an amusement ride. There's a waiting a single person has. Maybe you're single and you're here and maybe it's because you've been single your whole life or you're divorced and uh, you've been waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you've dated and you've done different things, but it's as if God is saying, not yet. There's a story of a childless couple that I know who have been waiting for seven years to be able to have children. They want children so badly. Not yet. There's the waiting for the right job that will actually help me pay all of my bills and I'm not always behind. And yet we get from God, not yet. There's the waiting of a deeply depressed person who feels so depressed and they're like, I just want the day to come when I feel like I want to live another day. And there's a sense of not yet. And folks, when we have to wait, when you have to wait like that, and all of us have had experiences like that, or maybe one day we will soon, we begin to start questioning God and asking God many different questions. And the Bible is full of them, full of questions of why God, why am I having to wait? One of those is in the book of Psalms, which is in the middle of the Bible, and it's kind of the songbook. Uh, of the Bible. And in Psalm 13, this is what the psalmist says. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? And we just cry out to God and we're like, how long? How long until this changes? How long do I have to wait for this to resolve itself? How long for this relationship to finally be reconciled? How long, God? Now, it would be great if every time people ask questions of like, how long, that God gave us an answer. But most of the time throughout Scripture, God never answers that question. Rarely does God go, oh, it's going to be three days, let me tell you. Uh, rarely does he ever say, well, you know, in a Wednesday next week at 2 o'clock, that's when you'll have your answer. Instead, typically what God says is just wait, and it drives us crazy. The psalmist also uh, said this. He said, be still before the Lord. And what's the next word? And wait patiently for him. And then what's the next word? Wait for the Lord and keep His ways and He will exalt you. You're like, what? I don't want to wait. And yet God says often and often again when we go to questions, how long? Just wait. Just trust me. 
Now, the good news is that God must have known that all of us were going to struggle with having to wait. And so he actually uh, gave us a story in the Bible. It's actually the Christmas story because the Christmas story is all about waiting. And so uh, in the midst of this, we're going to be looking at these stories over the next few weeks. Now, the story that we're going to look at today actually happens after Jesus is born. Jesus is born and his parents, Mary and Joseph, actually take him to a temple to be dedicated. Um, It was like the church of the day. And as they're going to dedicate him to God, this is what we're told. At that time, in other words, at the time that they bring Jesus to have him dedicated at the temple, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly, what's the word? Waiting. Now the question becomes, what is he waiting for? And Luke will tell us about that, uh, who wrote this passage uh, in a little bit. But I want to begin this morning by having you answer a question, or at least contemplate a question. It's our big question for this morning. You can fill it out in your program or also Uh, on our app. And here's the question. What are you waiting for? What is the thing in your life that you are waiting for? You know, a lot of times people think that waiting on the Lord means this, that if I go to God and I just wait on him long enough, that God will eventually do whatever I want him to do. And if for some reason he doesn't answer the circumstance right now, he'll actually do something better for me with the circumstance in my future. Now, if you have that kind of thinking, this is the the truth of that. He might do that, but guess what? He might not. He might not. You know, in my life, There have been many times in which I'm waiting for something and I want that thing so badly that I feel like that if I don't get it or I don't get that or I don't get him to think my way or I don't get her to think my way or whatever it is, it just doesn't seem like life is going to be worth living. And at those times that I've been there, it's a very dangerous place to be. Maybe you're here today and you're in that dangerous place. You want a circumstance in your life to turn around and to be a certain way so badly that if you don't get this one thing, you begin to start wondering, you know, is life really worth living? And if you're there or you're thinking, I might be there one day, you're probably going to experience one of two different problems in your life. The first problem is, you might never get what you're waiting for. So you're asking and you're waiting for it, but you never get it. You're, you're never going to get it. Well, here's the problem with that. You've got to keep on living your life. You've got to keep on living. And here's the second problem. You might get exactly what you're waiting for. You might get exactly the thing that you're waiting for, and then all of a sudden you find out, you know what, this wasn't as satisfying or fulfilling as I thought, and then you come to a point where you're like, well, I need to start waiting for something else because this isn't enough. Simply kind of put, it comes down to this. You don't want to let what you're waiting for to become what you're counting on. You don't want to let whatever the thing is that you've been waiting are 
on become the thing that you're counting on. Because it's a dangerous place to be, folks. What I'm waiting for, that circumstance, well, I'm just counting on it's going to happen. Now, let's come back to uh, Simeon. He's uh, in this temple. He's waiting in there when Joseph and Mary show up and they come with this baby. And let's look at Luke, which uh, wrote the third book of the New Testament. Luke writes this. He was actually a doctor. And he writes these words. At that time when they brought Jesus to the temple, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. So he's there and he's waiting. But this is the thing about this story is that it's not just Simeon who's waiting for Jesus to come, but there was a godly woman who had been waiting there a very long time as well. And this is her story. Anna, a prophet, in other words, a person who spoke on behalf of God, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. I mean, this woman, folks, has been alone for a lot of her life. And then it goes on. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been, what's the word? Waiting, but how? Expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. So there's not just one character, but there's two characters that are in this temple and they're waiting for God to come and to rescue Jerusalem. And they wait so long that they become incredibly old. Now, these two people are not just waiting around for their ship to come in or for something like that. You see, the important thing that you need to realize is that when people are waiting on the Lord, it's not kind of a passive waiting. It's not like, hey, I'll wait here apathetically. It's not that I'm waiting very slowly for something to happen, but you wait expectantly for God to be able to move in some way. For example, uh, let's say your boss comes to you tomorrow and they say this to you. We want to know, why don't you show more initiative and take some risk? And you say, well, actually, I went to church yesterday. And the reason I don't is because I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Now, if you do that, tell them you go to another church, not the jar, okay? Because that's not what we have. But sometimes what happens is Christ followers wait on the Lord as an excuse of yet still having a commitment to trust and obey and to seek and discern and to ask and to see what would happen. In fact, we're told that Anna was actually a prophet, so she's actually a person who speaks on their behalf, and a, and a prophet was anybody than someone who stood on the sideline. A prophet was actually someone who confronted injustice, who taught the Bible. 
And if she needed to get in someone's face, she would. So she's 84, but she's not like a little old grandma that just says, come here, come here. She's like, hey, let me teach you something about God. And I'm waiting for the Lord to rescue Israel. I mean, she is at the temple every single day. It's her job, day in and day out, to be at the temple praying and asking God and Simeon too. And I can just imagine that some of the other priests who are younger, the younger prophets, walk up and they're like, Anna and Simeon, why do you keep coming here? Go and take it easy. Rest somewhere. But you've seen everything and now you're so old and you're an old man and you're an old woman. You've seen everything. What are you waiting for? And I can see their energy just kind of get really excited. They're saying, we're waiting for something big. It's like the biggest thing that could ever happen to Israel and to the world. It's bigger than any relationship. It's bigger than money. It's bigger than anything you can imagine. Something bigger is going to happen. I'm waiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel. In the world. You see, what they were waiting, folks, was for heaven to come down to earth. For God to send His one and only Son to be a Savior to the world. For Jesus to come and actually turn the world upside down in the midst of that. And that's what Simeon is waiting for. Every day, every day, every day, he goes to God and he prays to Him. God is today the day. And for weeks and months and years and decades, God answers his prayer and says, not yet. Uh, Most of us want yes answers, or we'll even take no. But we hate not yet, because not yet means that we have to wait. And so for decades, Simeon goes to the temple, and he prays every single day. God is today the day. Not yet, not yet, not yet. I mean, everything in Israel is still a mess. And he's like, hey, God, I don't know if you've seen it, but things aren't going so well. Not yet, not yet. But then one day, he goes to the temple. And he experiences something very, very different. This couple comes in with this small little child, and this is what we're told. Simeon took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. Now, one thing that's interesting about Scripture is that it's written in English, so we only see it in one way. But the original language this was written in was actually Greek. And so this whole phrase actually begins not with Sovereign Lord, but it begins with this phrase, now. It's like Simeon is saying, now. Now it's finally there. But this is the strangest thing, because everything around him has not been rescued. Rome is still in charge. Injustice is still rampant. Violence is everywhere. The poor are not being taken care of. The orphans are being marginalized. Israel's still a victim. There is no kind of help for the widow. And it's like now, though, now there is a baby. And people are like, well, what's such a big deal? What's the big difference? And Simeon's saying, I'm telling you, I'm holding him in my arms. Now is a different time. Because now we don't have to wait. The Savior of the world is here, and Jesus is going to turn our not yet into now. But it doesn't happen 
immediately. You see, the circumstances in Israel actually get worse than better when Jesus comes on the scene. But now, Jesus is there. Now, God in flesh is actually on earth. We're not distant to God, but God is present, and He's here, and He'll help us through any painful circumstance. So here is Simeon, this old man, day after day after day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. He prays the same prayer. God, is the time yet? Not yet, not yet, not yet. But now is the time. And folks, this is the thing. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you give your life to Him, when He comes into your life, when Jesus comes into your circumstances, your pain, your loss, your bankruptcy, your, pain, your hurt, your failure, your divorce, your whatever, somehow He takes our not yet and He turns it into now. Because now God is here. Now I'm not alone. Now I'm not by myself. Now I have hope. Now I can go on. You know, today for some of you, you need a moment of now with God. You need a moment where you actually say, God, now is the time I want to give my life to you. And one of the ways that we do that is through something called baptism. And so right after church today, right in the community room, I'm going to be teaching a baptism class. And for many of you, uh, you've never been baptized before, and the reason is you thought, i got to get my act cleaned up first, I have to have it all together, and then I'll get baptized. And actually, it's totally the opposite. It's saying, now, God, I want you in my life. Now is the time for me to give my life to you. Now is the time I want all of my sins washed away. Not because I'm perfect, but because you're perfect. We sang about it. That you're perfect, Father. And you're a good, good Father to us. And you will take care of me. And maybe for you, if you're sitting there today, and you're like, I've never been baptized. Here's my question for you. What are you waiting for? Like, what are you waiting for? So just come, take the class. It doesn't commit you to anything. But you come, you take the class, you have some lunch. Child care is provided and will be done by 1.15 so you can see the rest of the Colts game. Okay, that's my scoop on baptism. So if you haven't been baptized, you should do it. Well, I can't even imagine how Simeon, how glad Simeon must have been that he did not stop waiting. That he didn't give up on waiting for God to move. He kept waiting. Folks, you know the danger with me when it comes to waiting is that I often get very tired of waiting. I just get tired of it. And pretty soon I become impatient and I decide, well, God, I'm not going to wait on you anymore. I'm going to do things my way. I gave you, you know, five minutes to try to move and you didn't. And so now, God, I'm going to do my own thing. And I become less faithful and I stop obeying and I stop trusting God. And I decide I'll take matters into my own hands because I think I can do life better than what you can. And when that happens, things change. Now, confession time for me. Um, I am what they would call 
a pretty fast driver, okay? When I drive, I like to go quickly. And earlier in my life, I went a lot quicker than I should have. And because of that, I actually had to take two courses called defensive driving, okay? Don't be judgmental. Some of you are like, oh. But I had to take these because I had too many speeding tickets in a shortened period of time, and so they told me I needed to be reformed. And I'm like, I'm a pastor. I'm all about reformation, you know? And they're like, no, 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 you've got to be reformed. Now, most of the tickets that I received were for speeding, but there was one time it was for something else. One time I came up to a stoplight, and it was red, and so I stopped, And I started waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and it never turned green. Have any of you ever experienced that before, okay? You go to a light, you stop, you wait, it doesn't, you know. And So I'm waiting, and finally I think to myself, well, there must be some kind of malfunction with this particular light. So I just went ahead and went through the red light. Well, it turned out there was a car present behind me also that had red lights, okay? And the driver of that car wanted to talk to me. And he asked me, why didn't I wait until it turned green? And I explained to him that I had used the reasonable man standard. Okay? It sounded very logical and legal to me. I explained to him I simply waited as long as any reasonable man would. I mean, clearly the light wasn't working, right? It was still red as we were talking. So eventually, I just said I had to go through the red light. Well, the problem is, while I'm having this discussion with the man who has red lights on his car, the light turned green, which put a wrench kind of in my whole argument. Now, let me ask you this morning, have you ever gotten tired of waiting for a red light, and so you just went ahead and ran the red light. Maybe you were at work and your boss asked you to do something a certain way, and you thought to yourself, well, I have a better idea than that, and you did it your way, and you ran a red light. Or maybe there were just small little things that were at the office, like paper or a stapler or something else, And you thought, well, they don't need it. That's a million-dollar company. I'll just take it. And you ran a red light. All of you who are students who are here today, maybe you kind of thought to yourself, I don't want to wait on a grade that is an A, and I can just look off the person's paper beside me, and I can do it by looking at theirs. And you ran a red light. Maybe you got tired of waiting on a commitment you made. Maybe it was a financial commitment. Maybe it was a commitment to a friend, a commitment to a neighbor, and you reneged on your commitment and you ran a red light. Maybe you got tired of waiting for peace to come into your life, and so you popped a pill or you drank a drink or you kept drinking until the point where you lost something and you ran a red light. Maybe you got tired of waiting for intimacy to come into your life, and so you decided, even though I'm not married, I'll just sleep with a few people until I find the one that I want, and you ran a red light. 
Now, we don't say these things out loud, but many times in our hearts, this is what we say. God, I'm tired of waiting, and so I'm going to run this red light. And do you know why you and I run red lights with God? Because we think He's forgotten about us. And because we think that maybe He's forgotten about us, we run the red light. And I just want you to know today that if you're there and you think, you know what, I wonder if God's forgotten me because of something I've done in my past or something that's going on right now. No, He hasn't. God is present and He's with you and He's for you and He's here to comfort you and to take care of you and He does not forget you. And so 700 years before Simeon and Anna are in the temple and they meet Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus in that, we find that there was a guy by the name of Isaiah who was a prophet as well. He predicted all of this. And he says this is what God says to His people. God says... Comfort, yes, I will comfort my people. In other words, God will not forget you. And they that, what's the next word? Wait upon the Lord shall renew their what? There's something about us waiting on God for Him to move that actually gives us strength. Now folks, there's a lot about waiting that I particularly do not understand. But one thing I do know is this, is that God uses waiting a lot in Scripture and in our lives. For example, you might remember these two people at the very beginning of the Bible, Abraham and Sarah. They're kind of the, you know, mother and father of the Jewish faith. All Muslims, Christians, go back to them as kind of the central kind of characters of religion. And they're waiting for a child, and they're waiting, waiting, waiting. They wait for a hundred years. They think it's almost over. And eventually they have a child, but God told them a lot of times, you're going to have to wait. And then there's a guy named Moses who's known for being used by God to give the Ten Commandments or to help part the Red Sea so the Israelites can go through. And God tells Moses time and time again, you're going to have to wait, you're going to have to wait, you're going to have to wait. And character after character in the Bible, what happens is God says, you're going to have to wait. But there is a promise, folks, in our waiting. We don't wait alone. We don't wait without some hope. And I want to give you the big promise this morning, and it's this. Waiting is one of God's most important tools in shaping my character. And again, you can do this on the app or in the program. But waiting actually, folks, is one of those things that is most important in shaping your character. And this is what I found is that sometimes when I'm waiting for something, it's not the thing that I'm waiting for that I learn the most, but it's actually waiting that is most powerful. It's in the waiting that I understand more. It's in the waiting that God shapes my character and helps me trust Him more and to grow closer to Him. It's like God is kind of saying, if you will wait on me, I will change you. If you'll wait on me, I'll give you strength. If you wait on me, I'll grow you. Now again, waiting on the Lord is not some passive thing where you stand on the sideline, but it's like you get engaged and you say, God, I'm waiting, but I'm going to obey you during this time. I'm going to use wise judgment. I'm going to use wisdom. I'm going to use good character, but I'm not going to run a red light. Now God, no matter what's going on, I won't run a red light. I will not 
walk away from your principles. I will not walk away from your words. Now, there's another thing about waiting, too, and it's that it creates anticipation. I read an article recently uh, from an economist who uh, came up with uh, this idea that he was trying to figure out would people really want to be kissed by their favorite movie star. And he actually found that the majority of people want to be kissed by their favorite movie star. And uh, so I don't know who yours is. You can choose who yours is. Um, Mine is called Jay Boo. Some of you will get that later. But there's Jay Lowe, and then my wife is Jennifer Bunch. Okay, it didn't work. But anyway, <laughs> but this is what he found, is that people didn't want to get kissed right at that time. They wanted to wait three days. And they actually would pay more money to wait three days to be kissed by their glamorous kind of superstar than they did right in the time. And you ask, well, why? Because there's something about waiting with anticipation that's so important. Because I don't just want to wait for anyone, but I'll wait for a movie star, Ben. I want three days to kind of get myself around it because I'm imagining and picturing and looking forward to what this is going to be. Now, people don't just wait for the joy of the moment, they want all the moments looking up, right? Like you don't just want the moment, you want the anticipation of looking forward to that. You're like, oh, this is going to be great if this happens. And so folks, we love to anticipate what's going to take place because we don't want to lose out on the anticipation of what's going to come. Now people, I want you to know this, don't wait too long if this ever comes to you because There comes a point in time, if you wait too long, your movie star will get wrinkled and old and ugly. And you don't want to wait that. But what he found was most people were willing to wait three days to do that, and they would pay a lot of money. You know, it turns out, folks, from that study and so many others, that how you feel about waiting is not so much about what it is with the waiting side, but it depends upon what is it you're waiting for. What are you waiting for? We're actually in a season uh, right now that leads up to Easter that Christians have celebrated for a long time called Advent. And Advent actually means this, waiting expectantly on the coming of Jesus Christ. So it's like waiting for the celebration of Jesus to come and to move. And so waiting actually becomes this spiritual discipline that we participate in. And a spiritual discipline is anything that helps us to grow closer to God. For example, if you pick up this book and you read it every day, you're disciplining yourself to read the Bible and you grow. If you pray each day, you're disciplining yourself in such a way to where you'll grow in prayer, you'll grow closer to God. And waiting is one of these. And so for the next few weeks, I want to challenge you to spend some time waiting on the Lord. Simeon and Anna are people that we want to become, people who are willing to wait. And take it as an invitation from God to just be reminded, I'm not in control of the world, and that's a really good thing, and so if I have to wait in line for Christmas shopping or gas 
or something else. I'm willing to do it because I'm going to wait with Jesus. I'm going to wait in hope. I'm going to wait in peace. And if you have a feeling like the weight of the shoulders or or the weight of the world is on your shoulders, that you could literally say, God, I'm giving it to you. I choose to wait. Well, last week, my uh, two girls had uh, Thanksgiving, and now, uh, at least in the school system we're in, they get a whole week of Thanksgiving. Um, and so my wife was working, and so we needed help with child care, and so I went ahead and I said, well, I'll uh, hang out with them and I'll take care of them. And so uh, I planned all kinds of fun stuff that we were going to do. We were going to go to Sky Zone, which is a, a trampoline park, and uh, we were going to go to movies and we were going to uh, go out to eat a lot, and uh, we were going to uh, go to Mound State Park. And uh, one day, on the day we were going to do Mounds, they said, Dad, we want to do a picnic. I said, okay. I said, well, it's kind of cold, so it was on a Wednesday, and so I got all the wood, and they said, uh, we want a, a fire, too. I said, okay, well, we'll do that, and we get this fire uh, wood together, and we're going to have s'mores and have a picnic at Mounds. Now, I was running a little bit behind schedule, getting all this stuff put together, and so I didn't have anything for the picnic basket. So I knew what I needed to do was to find some place that would give me picnic food very fast, and this is what I found, Jimmy John's. Because they have freaky fast service, right? And so I go to Jimmy John's, and as we're heading there, I'm like, hey, guys, let's all pick what we're going to order. I knew what I wanted. Jordan knew what she wanted. One of her friends went with us, she knew. And uh, I said, Shiloh, do you know? And she goes, Daddy, I don't know. But my oldest daughter, Jordan, goes, Dad, I know. I know exactly what Shy wants. I go, okay. So we get to Jimmy John's, and we get ready to order. And I order all the things. And I hate talking to that microphone anyways. I don't know if any of you do. But I hate talking to it. And I go, okay, Jordan, now what does Shy want? And all of a sudden, she had this look that my wife has had many times before. She had no clue. And I'm like, Jordan. And she's like, Dad, could you wait a minute? Now, that's not an unreasonable request. We don't have anywhere that we need to be. We're going to mounds. We're going to have a fun day. That sounds reasonable enough. But I hate to wait. And I always feel awkward because I've already given all my order and I don't want to listen to someone from the back and then tell it. And I'm like, Jordan, what's the order? She's like, Dad, just wait a minute. I'm like, no, we can't wait anymore. Shy, what do you want? Shy's like a turkey sandwich. I go, okay. I said, we're going to have a turkey sandwich, bread and turkey. That's it. And about that time, Jordan pipes up and she goes, Dad, I know what she wanted. She wanted a slim number one. It's turkey and cheese. And I said, well, you're not getting any cheese, and blame your sister, Shiloh, for doing that. (laughs) Have you ever done this sort of thing if you're a parent? Well, after my tantrum, the signal was very clear in the car, and it was very clear. I'm not happy. Don't talk to me. I don't want to wait. Folks, the whole purpose of that day was to spend time with my kids and to go on a picnic. Maybe I could have said when she said, hey, could you wait a minute? I just would have waited a minute. 
Maybe when she said, hey, wait a minute, I could have joked around and said, hey, let's pull one on the people there. Hey, we'd like 500 slim number fours. Can you do that? You know, Something that would have created a moment within there. Instead, I was like, have you got your order on time? Because I'm so important that I can't wait. Now, we went to Mounds. We had a good time. Everything was good. I asked for forgiveness. They forgave me. All was well. But when we got home that night and their mom asked them, hey, how was Mounds? The first thing out of their mouth was, well, Dad got mad at Jimmy John's. He doesn't like to wait. (laughs) Now, here's the thing, folks. I can't go back and relive that moment with my kids. And I'd love to say that that's the only time that's ever happened, but it's happened, of, uh, it's happened hundreds of times. But every one of those moments where I have to wait, it shapes me and it shapes my kids. You see, folks, I'm being kind of selfish right now because what I'm challenging you with is something that I'm challenging myself because I struggle in this area of my life of what it means to wait on the Lord. And maybe you do too. Maybe you struggle to wait. So I want to give you a few things to think about applying to your life over these next couple of weeks. When you're in line and you're getting ready to go through to shop for whatever it is, and the person behind you is very, very impatient, just pull aside and say, hey, you can go ahead of me. Or if you're uh, on McGalliard and people are trying to get in, And you know you're like, oh, I don't know if I should let them in. Just wave them on in. But make sure you use all five fingers when you do that, okay? (laughs) Just wave them all in. And when you come to a stoplight, let's just think about a stoplight. A stoplight actually is Christmas colors. How crazy is that? For example, we have the first light here at the top, which is red. What's red mean? Yeah, you just stop. And when you have to stop, you go, hey, God, I can't will it to change. So I'm just going to stop and I'm going to be at peace and you're in control of everything and I'm not. And so I'm going to stop for this moment. Now, there's another color at the very bottom, which is green. And what do you do when it's green? You go. And God gives us many different moments in which he just calls us to go and to do things. And that's what's so great about God. God, I want to go with you today. God, when it's green, I want to go with you wherever you want me to go. And then the third color is yellow. And what do you do when it's yellow? No, you don't speed up. No, 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 no. Yellow is a warning, okay? That means to slow down. And you're kind of like, God, I will slow down. And thank you for warning me. God, I'll trust you sometimes. I don't have to be so frantic and fast-paced and going all the time. I can actually not be a speed-up kind of person. And then finally, because for many of us, this has kind of become one of our idols, and it's this item right here, your cell phone. I read a study this week that 90% of all Americans either have their cell phone right by them when they go to bed at the nightstand, or they actually sleep in the same bed with their phone. You're weird. And so, this is what I'm challenging myself, and I'm giving you a challenge as well. For the next 23 days of Advent, leading up to Christmas, that you would take this device and you would put it somewhere else other than when you go to bed at night. 
And when you wake up in the morning, and this is the reason why I say to do this, because most of you wake up and you immediately go to this device and you start looking at texts that you might have missed or emails that you didn't get from work or you want to find out what's on social media and all those things happen. But maybe if you put this in another room, I'm going to leave it in our kitchen, you would wake up in the morning and this is what I want to do. The very first thing is that I wait upon the Lord. That I actually say, God, today I'm giving myself to you. Would you help me to have your mind, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your heart, your hands, your feet as I go through this day? I don't want to do this day without you, God. And this Christmas season, if a problem arises in your life, which it probably will, if you have some pain, if you have some heartbreak, if you have a challenge at work, don't try to fix it for yourself, but take a moment to wait upon the Lord. And if it gets hard to do this, just talk to God about it because the reality is the whole Christmas story, God's story is a story of waiting. When Adam and Eve actually ate the fruit and sin came in the world, God waited thousands and thousands of years before he sent his one and only son. And when Jesus came to earth, he had to wait 30 years where he grew up and he understood his teaching. And then For three years, he waited in his public ministry. And then he's crucified on a cross, and they put him in a tomb. And then what happens? He has to wait again for three days. He waits for three days, and at the end of the three days, God says now, it's no longer not yet. It's now. It's now time. And Jesus got up, and he gave eternal life to you and me and the rest of the world if we would choose so today, my question for each one of you is, what are you waiting for? And are you going to try to solve it on your own, take matters into your own hands, or will you choose to wait on the Lord? Let's pray. God, some of us may think right now about a time that we had to wait then all of a sudden you came in and you did something that we never thought possible. And then maybe there are others of us who are waiting right now and we're waiting for something that feels unbearable. And the pain and the hurt is so present. And so I would ask that regardless of where you're at on the spectrum of waiting, that you would choose to wait on him. Maybe the truth is you're sitting there today and you're trying to control everything in your life. And the truth is you've never really waited on the Lord. Maybe you've never said, God, I think you can run my life better than myself. So today, God, I'm going to give my life to you now. Maybe you thought God would never wait on you. Maybe You thought there's too many things I've done in my past. He's just forgotten me. You're wrong. Jesus never forgets you. Maybe you thought you had to clean up your act first. Or that you had to earn your way somehow to God. But it's just not the case. And so today, if you're tired of trying to carry the weight of everything on your shoulders, maybe today is a day in which you say, Now, 
God, I give my life to you. Now, God, please forgive me. Now, God, make me brand new. And if that's you today, I invite you to lift up a prayer. A prayer that uh, is not just a prayer that will repeat, but it's your prayer. And maybe today you're saying it for the very first time or you're recommitting your life to God. And here at the jar, we never pray alone. We always pray in unison. And so maybe today is your now day. Now, God, I want you in my life. And if it's your day, I invite you to simply pray this prayer after me. And we'll pray together in one. Just repeat after me. God, thank you for waiting for me and sending your son to save my life. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray.